Alleluia, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Come, let us adore him. Alleluia. Merry Christmas. It is such a joy to be spending Christmas morning with you all. I am so glad to see each and every one of you on this blessed Christmas morn. Christmas is about joy, the joy of God's love coming to us in Jesus, the joy of gathering as beloved community to receive the gifts of God in music, scripture, and sacrament, the joy of hearing the good news of our salvation. We hear this joy in the regal opening to the gospel according to John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In this passage, John is giving us something like an overture to the gospel. He's training our hearts and our ears to encounter those notes of grace that will sound throughout the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now, there's many ways that we could focus on this grace this morning, but for this year, the Spirit led me to the part that reads that the Word becoming flesh gives us power to become children of God. As much as we talk about other people at Christmas, we don't want to lose the tremendous gift of grace that we are given on this day. Yes, the shepherds, Mary, Joseph, they are important in the story of Christmas. And talking about the mighty acts of God is always a good topic for a sermon. But let us not forget that, as the creed puts it, it was for us and our salvation that Jesus came down from heaven. Christmas is certainly about what God has done, and it is also about what happens to us as a result. We are given power to become children of God. St. Athanasius was the Bishop of Alexandria in the 300s, and he said of God in Jesus that he became as we are so that we might become as he is. It's the same idea that we heard in John about us becoming children of God. At Christmas, we often hear a lot about the change that happened with God when the unlimited took on the limits of human flesh. But it is also just as true that because of the birth of God in human flesh, humanity has also forever been changed. Because God was born, lived, breathed, bled, died, and rose in a human life, it means the fullness of humanity has been expanded to be as deep and wide as is the fullness of God. Jesus became like us so that we might become as he is, a child of God. As John tells us, being a child of God means that we are one with the Father. We do not have to worry if God is on our side whether God has abandoned us, whether God cares about us. For Jesus is the promise of God with us made good in the flesh. Now, those who have never been opened to this peace that passes all understanding, this can sound like superstition, like wishful thinking. But if you have ever found hope after receiving bad news, if you have ever found forgiveness after a disagreement, 
if you have ever had joy amidst a struggle, if you have ever been caught off guard by love, then you know the power of God with us. And that power makes all the difference. In Jesus, the gap between humanity and divinity is bridged as we are made children of God, just as Jesus is the Son of the Father. John also writes that Jesus is full of grace and truth, meaning that we are also full of grace and truth in Christ. Now, grace is the church's way of describing the gift of God's love in Jesus. There is nothing that we did or have to do in order to deserve or earn or keep God's love for us in Jesus. God loves us because God has chosen to love us. And nothing, not our failings, not our imperfections, not our doubts, not our sins, not even our deaths, will diminish that love. As John says, the darkness does not overcome the light that is Jesus. We are made children of God, not because we said the right prayer or thought the right thoughts, but because by grace, the word became human and lifted humanity to the divine. Now, perhaps you received one of these gifts this morning, something you open and you can tell it's a good gift, but you're really not sure what it is or how to use it. Sometimes grace can be a little bit like that. This all sounds quite nice, that God loves us no matter what, but what are we supposed to do with that? Well, it means that we can stop. Stop trying to become the most optimized versions of ourselves because there's no improving on being God's beloved child. Stop worrying about our reputation because the creator of the universe has chosen us and loved us, and that is an everlasting reputation. Stop competing with others because grace, love, and mercy are abundant and will never run out. Stop trying to justify ourselves because we've already been justified and declared worthy by God's mercy. What grace enables is a totally different way of being in this world, a way of enjoying the gift of life instead of just muddling through, a way of participating in the fullness of the divine glory, just as Jesus participated in the fullness of our humanity. Grace means that we can live life as if love is all that matters, because it is. And this is what is meant by the truth that Jesus was full of and which now infuses humanity. I've quoted theologians before who talk about the grain of the universe as a way of speaking of going with the flow of grace, harmonizing with the notes of peace, being aligned with the way of love. Well, in Jesus, we see this truth, not only as something that he exhibited, but it, this truth is the pattern of our lives. It's a pattern of descent and ascent. Jesus comes down to us and then he ascends into heaven, yes, but so much more than that is happening. In Jesus, God descends into the depths and the brokenness of humanity and then lifts us out of sin and death into the fullness and eternity of God's love. C.S. Lewis once spoke of this using the metaphor of a person aboard a ship. 
Imagine the person realizes that something extremely valuable has been dropped into the ocean and it is at risk of being forever lost. And so our diver immediately strips down, jumps into the cold and dark waters. The diver keeps swimming downward even as the pressure and danger build until that object of great price is within reach. The diver then begins the long trek back to the surface, almost to the point of having their lungs burst. Upon climbing back into the boat, the savior then cleans the muck off the treasure and holds it dearly. Dear friends, we are that treasure that had been lost and is now redeemed. Jesus came down to us and dove as far as the cross, the grave, and hell in order to save us. Each of us and all of us together are held as the precious and treasured child of God. And so that we would know that we are held and cherished by God, God became little enough to be held in Mary's arms, vulnerable enough to fit in a womb and in a tomb so that we could come and see this great love for us and find room in our hearts, our lives, our society, for this truth of God's love to make all things new. And the way this truth works is that pattern of descent and ascent. So this means when it feels like things are going downhill, we can have hope that Jesus has been down that road before. When we are doing well, it is not because of dumb luck or our skills, but rather because love is drawing us up. When John spoke of Jesus as the word of God, he uses a word that means a lot more than it does for us. For us, a word is a linguistic symbol, a collection of letters that represents an idea or a thing. But for John, the word word meant a lot more. It means the overarching design, logic, the order of all things. John is telling us that the truth that tells the stars to shimmer, the planets to orbit, the birds to sing, the trees to grow, our cells to function, atoms to make things, sound waves to move. This truth lived a human life in Jesus. The pattern of all things became human so that humans might become children of God who can now know and be transformed by this pattern of love, the pattern of descent and ascent. The difficulty is we don't always recognize this truth as the pattern. John notes that the word came into the world, but the world did not accept him. We don't necessarily like that descent part of the pattern, and so we fight it, reject it, go against the grain. We insist on climbing, when sometimes falling is the direction of grace and love. And when we find ourselves on the rise, so often we take the credit for it. We are not good at recognizing or accepting difficult truths. This is why the truth was born in the corner of an empire and laid in a manger. 
It's why the truth was rejected by the authorities of his day and crucified as a criminal. It's why the truth is something that so many Christians use for their own agendas instead of following the pattern of the truth. It's why the truth is something that we try to fit into five minutes of mindfulness practices or in an hour on a Sunday morning, as long as nothing more interesting is going on. But as that great hymn of faith puts it, this truth is love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. This love is what came down at Christmas, love all lovely, love divine, love was born at Christmas. This love transforms what it means to be human because this love makes us children of God. We are forever and always united to God. We are full of God's grace, meaning that life can be enjoyed instead of endured. We are shown the fullness of God's love as Jesus dives into the depths of our lives to restore us to that goodness that God intended for us in creation. The pattern of love has been given to us, and this truth of God's love makes all the difference. Love came down at Christmas in such a form that we could hold on to it, so that we might in turn know that we are held in God's love and lifted to the joys of heaven. Love came down at Christmas to make God's saving grace known far as the curse is found. Alleluia, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Come, let us adore him.